This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. I feel like I know most of you. Welcome to Making Horror Fiction Podcasts. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Pacific Obadiah. I'm Shelby Scott. And I'm John Grills. Oh, thank you. No one claps when we record in our, in our offices, so this is pretty odd. I'd be super scared if someone clapped under my <laughs> stairs while I was recording. would fit. So for today's discussion, uh, we're going to take you guys through some panels, but if you have questions, we encourage you to raise your hand, ask them. Uh, we would love for this to be a bit more of a conversation, so please chime in whenever you have a question, stop us whenever you feel like you need to, uh, and then we also have some designated question breaks in our presentation today. Uh, so yeah, uh, let us know what you want to know about horror fiction podcasts. Um, I suppose we should probably start with what is a horror fiction podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I think John can describe that best. That's not cool, dude. You didn't <laughs> tell me I had to talk during this. Uh, horror fiction is its what you want it to be. First and foremost, it's important to say we're not going to tell you how to make a horror podcast. We're going to help you kind of define a horror podcast and kind of shape it for yourself. If you want to learn how to make a podcast, Casey Weiland's got an amazing book, Bombs Always Beep. I highly recommend it. Uh, but as far as this is concerned, it's more about the content itself. What's going to differentiate a horror podcast from any other genre fiction podcast out there, or maybe just be a little bit more definitive across the genres? Yeah, or if you're, you're thinking of starting one or you have started one and you haven't noticed those numbers ticking up, this might be some advice that will help you bring in that audience. Absolutely. Well, moving on to our first slide, or I guess our second slide. What can I do to make my podcast scary? This is, of course, the easiest and biggest question when you come to a horror fiction podcast. Uh, and there's a lot of different answers, yeah? and it's going to be different for everyone. But I think the, the biggest advice we probably all have to you is write what scares you. Definitely. I mean, I was just telling both of them this morning, my most successful episodes and stories have been things where I scared myself in the middle of the night because of something and I turned it into a story and it usually generates the best with people because if it scared me then it's probably going to scare several other people out there. It's something that they had never considered or you know just something that's lurking in the back of their minds and memory of some sort and that's always the most successful in my case anyway. Truth and, truth and authenticity resonates. If it's not scary to you and you try and write it because Oh Gods of Appalachia is a huge podcast and it's amazing and I want to write Lovecraftian horror and I've never read Lovecraft, but I, I can figure it out. Or, ooh, clowns are scary, but I'm not scared of clowns. It's never going to scare someone else if you can't put your feelings into the podcast because it will resonate. There will be the dramatic tension. There will be the hesitation. There will be the topics that you just have a hard time talking about in the first place. Yeah, if it's too derivative, then your audience is going to see that right away. Like, the, you have to think of your audience as just as intelligent as you. You can't think of them as just these dumb babies who are scared by whatever you put out there. Unless you're scared of dumb babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the most important thing is horror is almost always personable. You know, it's, 
going to be different for everyone, but the things that scare us are the things that scare everyone. Whether that is a person, a place, or something existential and from beyond, you know, we all have millions of fears inside of us, and you know, other people have those too, right? Finding the, the fears that you share with your audience, easily one of the best ways to find, find your hook, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I guess I'll just move on to the next part. Um, you know, like I said, horror is extremely personable or personal. Uh, it's found in survival, the search for answers, or eventually both. And the search for answers can be like the unknown. I mean, I love existential horror, horror that sits with you and creeps into your bones a few days later and you realize, I'm still thinking about that. So it doesn't even have to be something that's so, you know, obvious, like the zombie hands right here. It doesn't have to be zombies. It doesn't have to be something, again, don't make it derivative. Try to find something new, but there's always classics to go back on as well, but you just have to make it your own, you know? And at the end of the day, especially if you're looking at episodic horror, audio drama is something that's going to be seasonal, something you're going to do five, 10, 15 episodes in a season. It's, there has to be an A to B to C. It's, why am I listening to this person going through this? What are they trying to do? Why am I interested in them doing that? And like I said, it's, it's a question. It's, it's black tapes. You know, it's something that you're like, but what is that? And they don't know, and you don't know as a listener. And you're going to ideally want to find out along with them, and I, hopefully the payoff works for you at the same time. But you're a witness. In the same thing, you're a fly on the wall, you're a spectator, or you might even feel like you're there. But the key is, is feeling like it's something that matters to you for one way or another, whether it's entertaining or whether it's personal or whatever. But it's, it's a continuation. It's a long game. I think we'll probably get into it later, but first seasons of horror are amazing because it's like you can just write all questions. You don't have to give them any answers <laughs> until season two. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, damn. Because by then your audience is making up their own, you know, their own answers and their own right. ideas. And you're like, okay, I got to figure something out that's going to make everybody happy. But you're never going to make everybody happy. Yeah, the more cliffhangers, the more answers, the more payoff. And I had this huge cliffhanger at the end of season one, and then I took like six months off. Well, that's six months for people to come up with an answer for themselves. And, I, and more likely than not, their answer and your answer aren't going to be the same thing. So you have to figure out ways to pay it off and keep people coming back. Give them a little answer, something that works. Unless it's like episode seven and you gotta explain the smoke monster and no one's really interested anymore. <laughs> He's like, what's with the hatch and the comic book and the polar bear? Just don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah, just rein yeah, it in, just a little fine. bit. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think we've touched on this a bit already, but yeah, yeah fear comes from relatability. Um, we all feel fears, isolation, helplessness, depression. Uh, but there's a fine line when it comes to this. I think it's this next slide. Nope, it's not. Uh, we'll skip ahead to, oh god, this is, oh, there it is, bam. <laughs> uh, there is a very fine line when it comes to horror podcasts between reality and fantasy. Um, horror is a great outlet to talk about you know, mental health, to talk about your own depression, to talk about what it was like being isolated for two years in the pandemic. But there also comes a line, too, where, you know, you need to have maybe not something supernatural, but something out of the ordinary. Uh, you know, not too much life can happen in, say, a 90-minute movie, right? 
Well, and I feel like a lot of what comes, the horror part of horror, weirdly, is hope. There's just a little bit of hope there. So if there's not enough hope, then why am I listening? If you're just, if it's clear you're just going to get eaten by a monster and there's no way out, then why, why, you know? And put it into context, think about today. If you were going to make an audio drama about today, how much of today are you actually going to put into it? It's going to be tiny little snippets, if anything. So all of a sudden, you're condensing all this information and all this reality. But let's say, let's say your character is depressed, and the fear comes from the depression, or they're trying to struggle with it on their own. How much does your listener want to listen to someone being depressed? without there being that fantasy aspect for them to refocus on. So if you can channel those concepts of anxiety and depression through a different medium, then you're not listening to Eeyore always be like sad and depressed about everything. Instead, it's like, I can root for them. Like, what are they gonna get to next? Like, they can get through this. There has to be some level of hope to it. And at the same time, if it's too fantastical, you'll bring in the fantasy audience but if someone's listening to this and they're like, all right, that's, that's pretty far-fetched. You know, if you can get someone to Google, my example is like, is the unsound real? Did, Lime, <laughs> did Limetown really happen? Like, that's amazing. Like, if you can find that balancing act between the fantasy and the reality and the conspiracy and everything else, like, that's the real hook that's going to be able to bring people in with re relatability and fantasy. I'm going to take us back a little bit, and we're going to switch gears to formats. Uh, format comes a lot when you're making a fiction podcast. It comes up even more when you're making a horror fiction podcast. Uh, and there's a lot of different routes you can take through it, you know, whether it's a found footage anthology, an um, immersive serial, or something else like a monster of the week, which is kind of what I do. So it's not an overarching story, but it brings people back each week to see what the new guy is going to be. I have seen the question posited more lately, um, uh, serialized. You know, obviously, when Serial came out, it was huge influence on a lot of podcasts, myself, and, and Black Tapes, and Limetown, and a lot of life happening around narration, or narration happening around life. and. It, there, you have to ask yourself, like, why am I going to present it that way? Like, what, what are the stakes? Are you doing it because you hate exposition and that's the way for you to get out exposition? Because you hate explaining, like, and then I walked across the room. Like, it, you have to kind of find those mediums realizing that it's an audio, it's just an audio medium. Like, we have to be able to figure out how to tell people what's happening and make them visualize it in a way that's not heavy-handed in a way that's not like, why are they telling me this? It's show versus tell is re a lot easier in writing than it is in audio drama because you are telling them. You just have to figure out a way to show them at the same time. Right. On a, a bit of a more production note from that, uh, it's also important to you know, realize what you have, right? It's easy to see you know, um, shows like The Black Tapes or um, Night Vale or The White Vault and want to jump right into these really big, high-budget productions. But it's, you know, take stock in what you have. If you're a single writer and you're a single narrator, do a single narrator fiction podcast, right? If you have a radio studio or equipment and you have a bunch of friends, jump into an audio drama, a get a whole cast. Closet under the stairs where you talk to yourself? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and of course, just as important as your format is going to be your location. Um, a horror obviously has to exist somewhere. The first places the mind jumps to are isolated places. A submarine at the bottom of the ocean, a spaceship, um, your house in the middle of a pandemic. Again, there are these moments in our everyday where we face these little horrors, right? Uh, and of course, that can also bring you to a, a larger or a different horror audience. If it's a spaceship or a submarine, you can find your sci-fi niche. If it's an old Western, that's a different genre that you can branch into. Side note, if you have Western and aquatic horror, totally make it. There isn't enough of yeah, there's it. There's not enough amazing. Western horror. None. It's really not. So good. Uh, and of course, the listener. The most important part of any fiction podcast is always going to be your listener, right? Yes. Thank you, Shelby. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have too much more to talk about on this slide specifically. Uh, it, it's, I'd say to explain uh, fight or flight or sleep, uh, yes. it, it's an actual phenomenon. As I explained to them, I, yeah. don't, I didn't clear this with my wife, but she's my example for this. Yeah. Uh, we saw The Matrix 2 in the movie theaters because we're old. And during the highway scene, this amazing spectacle of special effects, it still stands up today, she fell asleep. And I made fun of her for the longest time until I started watching current Marvel movies. And I'm like, I am tired. Because you see this big spectacle, but the stakes kind of disappear. You just want to know what happens. So if you're causing this constant tension with your listener without these reprieves, without these answers, without these breaks of joy or solace or whatever, how much are they actually going to want to listen? It's like, oh, I just bad things just keep happening over and over and over again. I just feel bad about what's happening. Like, so you kind of just have to take into account how much are you trying to throw at them? It's the pacing. It's the sustained tension. And it's a really difficult balancing act and that can really depend on the, who's listening in the first place, which you won't know until you create it. Yeah, and it's easy to overload people with audio because you're relying on just audio. So there's the music and the sound effects and things. And if you don't have any reprieve from that fast-paced suspense music and the squishy sound effects and the teeth pulling and the this and that, then it's just people will turn it off. I've had a few episodes. I'm really big on getting, I like getting critical or um, constructive criticism from my audience. And yeah, those stories where it's just constant gore, constant fast-paced this or that, with audio, you, it's just too much to take in for a lot of people. It's just, it gets boring or it gets overwhelming and it's like, okay, now I don't even know what's going on because I can't really focus and I'm done. And don't hurt animals. They will tell you immediately. At least put a trigger warning. <laughs> oh yeah, like upfront. Don't hide it, don't put it in the show notes. Yeah. Be really careful about hurting animals. Our, our people care about animals way more than people. It's very true. I had a story where um, a child was murdered, but there was also an animal murdered, and I got only emails about the ma animal being murdered and not the child. <laughs> <laughs> our, our last point on the slide is um, probably one of the most important. You know, as Shelby and John have spoke to, it's important to find your peaks and valleys. I believe Stephen King once famously said the difference between uh, terror and dread is, you know, terror is the feeling of suspense, the building anticipation to something, and horror is the feeling of disgust, revulsion, surprise after the event has happened. It's important to have both in every horror show, movie, audiobook, drama that you do. 
Uh, and in those dips, in those moments when you come off of that horrifying high, let your audience know who your, who your protagonist is, who the characters are. Do we love them? Do we hate them? Are they a good guy? Are they a creepy stalker? Well, and ideally everyone in here is a listener first. Like You should be, Stephen King also famously said, if you don't have time to read, you don't have time to write. And it's the same principle, I believe, with podcasts, that odds are we've listened to something, and we're like, that's, that's what I want mine to sound like. Or we listen to something else that that's really popular, but I think it's terrible, and I can do better than that, and I'll get all the endorsements. And uh, I paraphrased Ira Glass before, is that creatives and writers, we're kind of boiled down to the idea of we can do it better. Like, maybe we can, maybe we can't, but I think we create because we think we can. Even do if the it's next the step. hesitant, like, I can do that. Like, I yeah, think I can do that. Yeah. I mean, this is not horror related at all, but Lisa Kudrow for Friends, because I, I like Friends, is <laughs> Friends without a soundtrack or a laugh track is scary as hell, though. <laughs> and Lisa Kudrow wasn't an actor. One day she was in a car and she was, or she was watching a TV show and she said, I think I can do better than that. And she went and auditioned and she got friends. Or she got uh, mad about you and then she got friends. Just because she thought she could do it better. And she was right. If you think you can do it better, try. I'm not, there are way too many people out there that are saying, don't make another podcast, which this is a horrible convention if you think that. <laughs> but it's like, oh, it's been done before. Well, maybe it has, but it hasn't been done by you. By like, you, yeah. You, can, you might have a different way of saying it. You might have something else that connects to an audience. Mm -hmm. It might be the timbre of your voice. It might be the cadence of the story. It might just be the same. It's, how many times have you read a book about a haunted house or a vampire? But we all love them. And they don't Every stop time. writing them. Yeah. So as someone who's still trying to write a haunted house book, like I'm just, <laughs> it's tough. It's way harder than I thought it was. But like, like give it a shot because you're a listener. Like listen to the podcast. Listen to as many audio dramas as you can to figure out what you like and what you don't like and what, how you want to tell your story. If you just go into it dry, it's a lot more difficult. And I don't think we're going to talk about this, but also make friends oh, yeah. in the horror community. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it really helps. Yeah, don't reach out and say, hey, man, can we do an ad swap or a feed drop? I know you never heard of me, but I listened to your show. That's not cool. But... Like, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, whatever, just share your love of a show. If you loved an episode, if you loved an actor, just take five seconds. It's so say. true. And it means so much, no matter how big the person is. These two I became friends with way before we started working together in any capacity. And you make these connections that suddenly will have long-term impacts. But it happens from being a fan. Mm -hmm. Nothing good in my life ever happened because I hated something. <laughs> right. You know, like, I... I reached out to people. I'm like, you're, this is amazing. Like, I love your show. And then, like, when it came back to it, I was like, hey, I'm working on this thing. Could you be a voice actor? And they were like, yeah. And then I didn't know what to do, and I had to scramble and write a part for him because I was all nervous. <laughs> I didn't think you'd say yes. Oh, I didn't. Why did you say yes? No, this is horrible. But, <laughs> but, like, the positivity. It's funny. Like, some of the most positive people I've ever met are horror fans because we yeah. embrace fear. It's true. It's a very close-knit community. I just went to a horror convention a few, like about a month ago, and I was explaining to them that horror is so, it's an, it's, it's an escape. One thing about my show in particular is I, I've kind of tried to combine wellness with horror and escapism. I mean, horror is escapism in its own, but I really try to hammer home that like, 
you know, people listen to these shows to fall asleep to, to, you know, feel better about their day. And it's not just about the monsters, but it's kind of looking at a monster that's not real in your life right now and going to those places. So that's another thing is giving your audience, there you go, yeah, reality and fantasy, this balance where it's not real to me, but it's real enough. And I can just, again, my show's about falling to sleep to horror. And it's like, the amount of people I thought, I never thought I would find, I thought it would be this niche little like hobby show. And I found this huge community of people, including for both of their shows, I've, they have audiences like this too, where like, I listen to your show to relax yep. and feel better. <laughs> All the time. And even though there's death and gore and teeth pulling and all that stuff, it just makes me feel like so happy and relaxed. It's an escape, right? It's yeah. an escape from your everyday, from those fears, those anxieties, from everything else. And, and what's that have to do with making a horror podcast? We'll help. Like, I yes. genuinely will. If someone sends me an email and says, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. I will send you a list of things you can do. Absolutely. I yeah. will help you. I'll send too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll help you find a microphone. I'll explain like casting and writing and what hosting platforms work. If you don't have a good budget, what are some corners that you can cut? When you create friends within the community and show positivity within the community, you will be able to make scary ass shit with help if you don't know how, like we can help you. Like even if you don't think anything we do is scary and you think you've got the scariest thing but you don't know how to do it, we'll help you do it. Mm -hmm. If you start doing a horror narration podcast that is de dedicated to creepypastas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds familiar. I will help you do it. Because if you get more listeners than me right out the gates, either one, I'm doing something wrong and I need to work harder, or two, you're doing something great and it should be celebrated. It's one rise, all rise. Mm -hmm. You can be a curmudgeon and be really <laughs> mad that the show that sounds exactly like yours gets more listeners, yeah, more downloads. That's the, don't go higher. on Twitter and vague do book about how someone has a show that sounds just like yours. It's horror. We are all doing horror. There were already horror shows when I started. But you're yeah. doing your show. Make your show yours. Don't post unpopular opinion. <laughs> sure. But I think this show sucks. Just I, because you want other people to agree with you and make you feel better about you not making a show or your show not being as well. Right. I mean, the three you of celebrate. us have a creepypasta show, a horror show, and an SCP show. If you search through you know, podcast listings, you'll find dozens and dozens of them. But each of them is also staunchly different. You know, Old Gods of Appalachia may just be more horror stories, but it's also nothing that we've ever talked about or discussed on any of our shows. And whatever you do will be different in your own way, right? Uh, and that is what makes your podcast different. <laughs> Uh, this is a great, I think, moment to stop and ask uh, if you guys have any questions. We'd love to know uh, if you, yeah, if you have anything you want to know about how to make horror podcasts. Yeah, you in the front. So obviously, pacing oh, goes. We have a microphone. We have a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> we got. So I didn't realize. Um, obviously, there's a difference in pacing in anthology podcasts and more long-term story podcasts. Um, but there are podcasts such as, like, I guess, the Magnus Archives that have that are both anthology but have an overarching plot to it. I'm wondering, how, what would be your advice as to how to handle basically both of those at the same time? Oh, that's a fun, fun question. Um, in fiction podcasting, you know, I, I've had, I think we've all had a lot of success with anthologies. You know, if 
consistency tends to be one of the best things you can do for your show. If you drop a new episode every Tuesday at midnight and you keep doing that every single week for the rest of your life, your show is going to exponentially grow. Well, I mean, I said exponentially, but it will really start to pick up and boulder away. When it comes to blending it, you know, having a, a very long form overarching story, you know, I think some of the best examples, um, you know, you could look at Wolf 359, which had, I think, 56 episodes across five seasons, uh, or you can look at shows like Night Vale, which are still ongoing, but uh, instead of doing one giant, enormous arc, they've instead found this format where they do these very small three or four episode arcs. And sometimes, not even back to back, they'll do an episode, you know, uh, part A of a story, mm -hmm. two or three random anthology episodes, and then part B of a story. And if you start breaking down podcasts into those kind of core components, Magnus Archives also kind of follows that. Um, I think it's like 50 episodes in that they finally unveil who their villain is. Uh, and then you don't see him for another 10 or 20 episodes. And then he comes back. You know, just because your horror story has this large overarching thing doesn't mean it can't also have just unrelated stuff, right? Thank you. Yeah. Sorry, question over here. <laughs> One more. <laughs> What about combining comedy with horror? Like we're talking American Werewolf in London, sort of on one end of the spectrum, Abbott and Costello meet the mummy sure. on the other end. But I st it seems to me like there's a whole lot of opportunities to throw all kinds of humor or comedy because it's similar, I guess, uh, emotions or... Abs absolutely. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I, yeah, horror and comedy are like chocolate and peanut butter, right? It's, um, I, I think Jordan Peele said, you know, the difference between horror and comedy is a punchline. There are many instances that are horrifying that only become comedic because, you know, it, it has that little twist at the end. Um, but also, you know, like we talked about, you can't always have these rising stakes. You know, you need to have that levity. Uh, and some of the best horror movies I've ever seen are, you know, things like Cabin in the Woods, where it's terrifying, there's gore. And then, you know, there's these silly moments where a character, like, trips, and they're like, ha, ah, that's so dumb. I'm, you know, super stoned, because I'm the stoner archetype. Uh, and then they die gruesomely, but you have just that little, the little reprieve to, like, lighten stuff before it really amps up. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, is making sure, <laughs> weirdly, even, because I feel like the comedy, you know, if, you, if you're into that genre, which I throw those into my show all the time, because they're a fun, like, little, you know, like, no one's expecting it to be funny, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this, uh, this week it's uh, something totally different. And uh, I feel like you really have to focus on your monster or your horror of that, though, because, like Pacific said, the scarier it is, the funnier it is, because it's you're starting to laugh at the dark humor and the to bring you down to the level of, oh shit, this is actually like really scary, which somehow makes it funnier. And I honestly think there's not enough of that out there in podcasting. I feel like that's a big niche that could really be filled and we need more of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are writers out there, Jack Townsend's a an excellent example. One of my favorites, he wrote the gas station, Tales from the Gas Station series, go buy his books. Wonderful books. Or listen to the podcast that did them. Um, <laughs> not the YouTube channel. Uh, and the YouTube channel, too. Uh, fantastic writer. But it is, it's, it's, it's a difficult balancing act because it's like saying, what's scary? Okay, well, what's funny? 
Like, how do you scare me? How do you make me laugh? It's subjective, and it can be really tough. And I think the stuff that resonates the most with me is the subtle comedy within. It's more the concepts. It's um, David Chang, uh, John Dies at the End. This book yep. is full of yeah. spiders. It's, it's, more, it's like the ridiculous answers. It's the ridiculous reactions to something that should be scary. Almost like, or, well, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, yeah, yeah, great One example. One of my favorites. It's just Prime like, example. why is this absurdity happening to me? It's, it's, it's more the reaction to the horror than anything else. Like you can make big horror, but then it's how are you going to react to these horrible things that are happening around you? And sometimes it's a scream and run up the stairs, but sometimes it's literally just to do something completely unexpected. Right. And that's usually where humor comes from. It's like, I didn't expect to hear that at all. And like, it, all of a sudden you're laughing at a podcast that you're supposed to be scared of. <laughs> and I, I agree. I wish there was more of it. And maybe there is more of it. And I really apologize. If someone has a horror comedy podcast, let me know. I'd <laughs> yeah, let me know. Yeah. I'd love to listen to it. <laughs> um, but it is, it's, it's a difficult balancing act. I think the, I think it comes a lot more down to the characters themselves like you have to have a really strong protagonist mm -hmm. to handle the comedy yes definitely because it's that characterization that you believe their reaction mm -hmm. and finding that balancing act is the tough thing i think it could start with something simple cabin in the woods gas station right. weird things happen but then it's like okay but what's a funny way that they react to it <laughs> or an unexpected way yeah right you can also look at more serious movies like I'm going to throw out American Werewolf, right? Here's a teenage boy going through puberty, becomes a werewolf. And there, there's a deep absurdity in that. It's also very, again, personal story. It's this crazy body change, right? But when he goes out into the streets, you know, in that world, in that universe, people have never seen a hairy monster like that. They think it's a costume. They think it's a gag. And then their throats get ripped out, and they go from this like kind of raucous moment of you know laughing, it's hilarious. Look at this weird guy on the street, to you know this abysmal reaction. If they even have time to react, uh, it's very easy to pair those uh, those hilarious highs with those terrifying, horrifying lows, right? Mm -hmm. uh, any other questions out there? Oh, there's so many now. Let's <laughs> get you. We had like 12 minutes left, and I got really scared that I didn't see more hands. <laughs> Uh, are there any lines that you won't cross? Are there any, and, and then subsequently, are there any lines you're excited to cross? Uh, Carol and I just recently talked about the end of Possessor, and when I saw the end of Possessor, I was like, I can't believe somebody actually did this mm -hmm. in the um, story. For, I think we each have different answers. Sorry, did I cut you off? I'm so sorry. Um, for me personally, I don't have specific, I don't ever want to write out any specific topics. For example, sexual assault. I have several authors who have written as a coping mechanism to their own experiences. So I don't ever want to say there will never be any mention of sexual assault in my show because I feel like if it's done in a certain way, then I think it's a very good contribution to a bigger conversation in the horror community. Um, but that being said, I have received stories where it's done in completely not tastefully, very 70s, you know, not that everything in the 70s was like this, but you know, you know sure. what I'm talking about. Shock value. Exactly. Um, so I personally don't like to say, put topics in general like that are off limits because I feel like I've come across everything that I would have, I could have put in that box years ago, and I've seen it done in a way that I, I just can't write anything off personally. Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't think that there are personally our boundaries. Keep in mind freedom of speech. I mean, most podcasters should believe that I can, I can say this. 
You're not free from repercussions. You're not free from bad iTunes reviews. You're not free from emails <laughs> yeah. where people hate you. And oh, say the you emails. Oh, get ready for the emails. Sorry, we didn't cover that. But so get ready for emails. some emails. Yeah, in the horror community. It's a yeah. different kind of horror. But <laughs> I don't think there are boundaries as much as you have to understand that there's going to be reaction. And I think we can push boundaries further. I, I definitely think that they can go a lot further, to Shelby's point. It's how it's done. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not describing sexual assault to traumatize someone because you're saying that. It's not killing the dog just to be like, oh, I killed the dog. You know, it's, it's not child abuse or any of these, sure. or suicide, depression, alcohol, all, all these bigger topics that tend to be content and trigger warnings. I don't think there are boundaries as much as there's a better way to do it. I, I think it comes down to the, the authenticity of the horror, right? You know, if you have suffered depression or something and you write to that, you know, it's going to be a very powerful moving narrative. If you're trying to, you know, like John said and Shelby said, go for the shock value, it's almost always going to, you know, flop and fail. Don't set out trying to scare someone. You'll never succeed. You know, um, like we said, I believe on one of our earlier slides, Everyone has a different fear, right? But write your fears, write what you know. And whether that's an experience you've gone through, whether that's some other you know, terrifying nightmare monster or your dreams created, write about that. Write about, again, yeah, what scares you. Um, so as far as your question goes, uh, I think authenticity is the line, right? You know, whatever is authentic to you, whatever is real, and you know, whatever, whatever is done, I think, for the right reason, right? And Keep in mind, most any story is going to find an audience. There's three human centipede movies. <laughs> three? <laughs> now, do you want 100,000 downloads or do you want six? If you only care about six, do whatever you want. Yeah. Go full human centipede, folks. You heard it from here, from John Grills, right here, right now. Uh, all right, I know we have some other questions in the audience. Um, and we've got one right behind the last one, so we'll do that. And I promise we'll get the other side of the room. Hi, uh, so what, what is the environment like uh, outside of English-speaking horror podcasts? Uh, is, is there a larger audience outside of English-speaking horror podcasts? Yeah, that's a really fun question. Um, I, I realize we didn't introduce our shows at the top, but John makes Creepy, Shelby makes Scary to Sleep, and I make SCP Archives, which are part of the Blight Disgusting Network. Um, and one of our biggest initiatives this year is to start branching into Spanish-speaking audiences, uh, because... Um, Mexico has a lot of horror fiction right now, uh, and it's a, a market that's largely untapped, um, but we're starting to see, you know, even on like English charts, if you guys look at charts every day like I do, uh, we were starting to see a big explosion of Spanish-speaking horror creators. Um, so there's definitely a very, I'd say, rapidly growing audience. Um, I can't really speak outside of that, but you guys might have more insight. I do know that um, I've been told, because again, we're branching into Spanish speaking, um, femme presenting voices, feminine presenting voices are in high demand in other countries. There's a huge horror genre aspect, but I've been told by several different markets that that is, they are severely lacking. So just putting that out there, if you're looking to get into other markets. Yeah, we're launching our Spanish language version at the end of the month, and we're obviously, we're, 
we want to go around the world. We want all the languages. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But I'm looking at my metrics. I know Sweden is huge in mm-hmm. like, yeah, horror. Same. Like, I think outside of the United States, Sweden is actually our biggest download numbers. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. But I've also seen them, you know, in uh, Italy, India Germany. is my second in, biggest. So, yeah. yeah. India, so, Germany, I know is high. Mm-hmm. It, it's out there. I think right now our biggest handicap to that is having the resources on the ground in those countries Mm -hmm. to be able Mm -hmm. to uh, find the audience themselves and be able to expand enough so it's being noticed and being presented that way. Unless you're multilingual and and then you have a better chance. But as hosting companies expand into these bigger markets, I think there's gonna be a bigger opportunity for multilingual. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Some of our questions up here. Um, let's get you up front, first. Oh. Up, front. up front. Wherever oh. you want to go. You're the one running yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll so. let him decide. I was going to try to get more. Yeah. Oh, Thank oh, you. there's some back there. I can't see because the lights uh-huh. are so Yeah, the sorry. lights are very bright. We can't see anything <laughs> that, past That light. was my theory. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask if you had any tips for building and then maintaining tension in a scene. Oh. oh, I don't write anymore. This is John's problem. <laughs> uh, is it season one or season two? Because season one, I'm just like, what was that noise? And then, Ooh. you know, you end the episode on like an audio stinger. Um, I think a lot of the tension is going to come down to, one, the question. What's, what's the unknown? But two, it's going to be the people's reactions. If if it's a realistic reaction. It can be the wrong reaction. Yes. I want to emphasize. That's the thing. Your characters don't have to do like what you think would be the right thing. You can run up the stairs in a horror movie. Yeah. It's not the wrong thing. <laughs> sure. If it's even I, fun to give your audience someone to scream at and be like, get out of the house. If a door slams in my house in the middle of the night, I'm not going to sell my house thinking that it's a ghost. I'm probably going to start a YouTube show about the ghost. <laughs> sure. So like horror tropes and cliches, they actually exist for a reason because generally speaking, we all make mistakes mm-hmm. in, in the moment. It's, is the mistake relatable? So maintaining that tension, you can have the person go in the room where someone's yelling, don't go in the room. It's more that sustained reaction of the believability of the character in the first place. But within the scene, it only works if you've created that character like on the page beforehand. Or even if you have multiple characters in a scene. I have a particular story I wrote that um, it's many characters dealing with a big event that they just found out about. And it gives you an, a chance to use different personalities to build the tension because you're kind of looking into how different people would be reacting to this very big, very scary news. So Absolutely. you can... It can, you can elongate it a little bit because you're discovering how everyone's dealing with this, basically. Oh, one thing, sorry. Go for no, it. Not calling anyone out on this one, but some people will know. <laughs> Don't maintain tension by saying, you're, you're not asking the right questions. Don't do that. <laughs> um, on, on the more sound design side of that, too, I think there's a lot you can do with the editing to maintain mm. tension. Yeah, you can manipulate your audience with music pretty well. <laughs> Absolutely. Remember that, you know, as a podcast creator in a mostly audio-only format, your biggest strength is the listener's imagination. You don't have to describe the monster. If you have the sound of gnashing teeth and dripping goo, I can imagine what terrifies me, and that's going to be way scarier than whatever is terrified or whatever is described yes. in your show, right? Definitely. So yeah, let, let the audience use their imagination against Should them. we do one more question? We only have three minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe two. Maybe two. Maybe two. Up here? So many. 
<laughs> uh, so first of all, thank you for this, because I had um, an idea for a new show during the panel. Um, Hell yeah. But I was, <laughs> surprise. Um, but I was wondering if you found any particular advantage to a modern setting versus a, a historical setting. So this is actually a good point, because I, I've gotten a few submissions for historical settings, and it's difficult especially when they start using real people who actually existed. Um, it, going back to your question about the, a line, I actually do have one line, and it is taking real people, especially things that are a little more recent, and creating yeah. this weird little fantasy horror of what happened, especially if it's true crime. I get quite a few of those, and I don't do them because it feels very disrespectful. Um, but historical settings, I mean, they can be great because, especially if depending on how far you go back, sure. um, you can kind of create whatever you want, the world you want, because you know, if, I mean, there are like inaccuracies and everything. But with audio, you can fiddle with that a little more. I, I think it also comes down to your format too, right? Yeah. If you're doing a found footage show, 90s, amazing. Digital artifact. Anytime there's no cell phones. Yeah, no cell phones. That it, takes away so much, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think as far as modern horror goes, we definitely need more of it. And there's, there's a really wonderful and strong way you can do it. Um, but, you know, there, there are fun little horror tropes that you have to navigate, like cell phones existing and Facebook, which I think movies like Bodies, Bodies, Bodies do that really well. Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of horror. Yeah, I think uh, depending on the time that you're going back to, it can be done amazingly. It's not horror, but there's this fantastic Western podcast called Pleasure Town. It was one of the first I ever listened to. I, I think it's coming back for season five. I really hope it is. It's fantastic. Gross. I think it's to show respect for the time. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to do the Salem Witch Trials, don't just make stuff up about what happened. Like, know the subject content. Like, be a, a, if people died in real life, be respectful to how they died. Mm -hmm. Because maybe people aren't going to know the difference, but someone's going to know the difference. So it's just like, it's treading that line of horror. Like, it can be fantastical, sure. But know that if you're, especially if you use real people, like, be real careful there. Yeah. All right, and that does us. Uh, again, this is John Grills, Shelby Scott, and I'm Pacific Obadiah. And if anyone has like any other questions we didn't get to, please, if you oh, yeah. see us, Grab come us. feel free to ask. Yeah. Email, we got us. cards. We're more than happy to help. Yep. <laughs>